days, we're so used to being able to do something instantly. Where it's order food instantly. You want a book? Order it on Amazon instantly. You know, we're coming up with drones so they can drop the book on your face, like right then. So, <laughs> but the thing about cooking is it forces you to slow down. It forces you to practice because there's something about cooking that is untouchable and unexplainable that only comes from doing it over and over and over again until you and that dish kind of have a relationship and are having a conversation with each other. Welcome to Homemade from All Recipes. Hey, I'm Marty Duncan, and on this show, we celebrate good food, the people who make it, and the stories behind the recipes. My guest today has so many great stories. She was born in Mumbai, grew up in Dubai, and then moved to the States. She's a star today, but 10 years ago, she was making cooking videos in her home. Hi guys, welcome to Artie Party, and today it's the season finale, and so we're ending with a bang with a tea party. Yay. Today, I'm excited beyond words to have with me the queen of spice herself and my Food Network star sister, Artie Sequera. Artie is known for her use of spices and she is known for so many other things. But to me, she's Artie Party. I'm Marty with Artie. And yeah. ever since I met her or even heard of her, I knew I wanted to be her best friend. Artie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, I always think it's so funny that not only do our names rhyme, but we had a similar intention when we went on Food Network Star. You know, it goes a lot deeper than that. Like you, I had, well, you had many careers before you came to Food Network, but I was a news producer. I worked at CNN and I was long distance with my now husband. He was in LA and I was in New York. And I was like, buddy, are you going to put a ring on it or what? And because <laughs> we'd been together for seven years, I think at that point, um, all through college, we've met on the first day of new student week at Northwestern and we were just together ever since. Anyway, once we got married, I moved to LA and I didn't have a job. And I just found that I was sitting on the couch. I watched everything until the view was over. And then after the view is soap opera time. And I was like, if I get into the soap operas, I'm over. Like I will not get up off the couch until like two in the afternoon. So someone had given me the joy of cooking as a wedding present. And I started working through that. And I would walk to the store because I didn't know how to drive, get all my stuff, walk the 20 minutes back to my house and I would make dinner. And sometimes it was great. And sometimes it was awful, but I also would be watching Food Network and my husband took notice. So then that Christmas, he gave me a gift certificate to a cooking school in our neighborhood. And they had the semi-professional program and I did that. And it was the first time that I thought, oh, I could maybe do this for a living. I could cook because I think I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. You think? Yeah. <laughs> so I staged at a restaurant for a while and a friend of mine said, you should make your own cooking show. And I said, listen, I've just been cooking for a little while. I don't have anything to show people, you know. And she said, but that doesn't matter because you know more than I do. And when I come to your house, it's about sort of you cooking in the kitchen, me hanging out with you, drinking a glass of wine. And it's the hangout portion of it that people love. That's right. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. And so I started shooting my own cooking show in my kitchen. My husband would shoot it and direct it. 
and I would host it and I taught myself how to edit. And it was a cooking variety show. So whenever anything simmered or roasted, uh, we would have friends come on because they were all performers and actors. Or if we had nothing, we would just make up a skit. And that led to, you know, someone say, after doing that for nine months, they were like, you should try out for Food Network Star. So I, I didn't want to because I thought I had watched a couple of episodes of it. I feel things in my body when I'm watching stuff on TV. And so I felt people's humiliation and their embarrassment. Oh, yes. and you know what I mean? You yes, I do. Bones. Yes. And I said, well, now why would I want to do that exactly? But I, I tried out and I remember I got a phone call. I just sent in a tape. I got a phone call and I saw the 917 number and I said, that's New York. I'm not picking it up. And my husband was like, why? And I said, because they're going to say they like it. and then I'm going to be then I have to make a decision right and then I'm going to be on this path I can't say no and I'm going to be stuck on it and I was just the only outcome I could see was humiliation there was no other but I had to say yes so then I (laughs) went to New York and I did the audition and they loved me and I felt like I wanted to throw up and I came back home and I was like oh Bren I think they're going to ask me to go on this ding dang show And they did. And that's how it started. And I never, ever, when I was on that show, felt like a front runner. And yet everyone that I talked to has watched it since was like, it was so clear that you were going to win from the very beginning. And I was like, I thought it was clear that you were going to win. I didn't know. This is a good lesson, I think, to all of us, that how you feel in that moment is not an indicator of the truth. Well, and sometimes what you have rolling around in your head Mm -hmm. is completely different. Your perception and somebody else's reception of something can be very, very different. Yeah, I like that. You're known as the Spice Queen. I know our listeners really want us to get into the food part of this story. Yeah. You've got a cookbook. Is it an American kitchen with an Indian soul? Yeah, that's exactly Uh, right. That sounds like, to me, that's the perfect description of you. Yeah. Except it should have... Well, it does say arty party because you are sort of a party and a person and a party in your cooking. Yeah, kind of. of. All these celebratory flavors and things. So fun. But the thing is, I think that's a perfect descriptor. And you're so soulful. When you describe your food, when you cook, you're so soulful. Mm. And so I really want to talk about your mama's kitchen, things you learned growing up, some of your favorite recipes. And I want you to give us some tips and tricks for how we can upgrade our own Indian food at home. I love, of course, everybody loves dal. I know. And naan. Who doesn't like, it's kind of fried bread, right? You have to love naan. Otherwise, there's something wrong with you. But can we make that at home, like using a cast iron skillet? Is that possible? Yeah. I mean, the thing about naan, so if you don't know what naan is, it's a bread from the north of India and it's basically pizza dough, except it has yogurt in it as well. Yogurt? Yeah. And so it just sort of tenderizes, think about the acid and it just tenderizes that dough even further. And then it's cooked like pizza dough in a tandoor oven. A tandoor oven is this sort of clay pit of an oven. It gets to 700, 800 degrees in there. And they slap these rounds of this dough on the inside. I have to, they slap it like that on the inside of this oven and it just blisters and chars and they pull it out with a hook and then it's a quick cooking bread. And so you absolutely can do it with a cast iron skillet. You take that cast iron skillet, you put it in a 400, 500 degree oven and leave it there for 20, 30 minutes until it is hotter than Hades. You pull it out using a glove and you put it back on your stovetop and you slap the dough 
onto that cast iron skillet and it will blister immediately. The thing that I do is then I flip that dough to do the other side and I put a lid on it. And so it kind of steams and softens that dough so it's not a cracker. And it's got all those little air bubbles, so it's light. Yeah, it is. And it's addictive. It is addictive. (laughs) When I used to go to Dubai, there was a place that would make it on these big, hot, hot, hot stones right in the center of the room, and you could watch them make it. Wow. So one of the things that we have in common is cooking with our moms and look at learning a lot about Mm -hmm. cooking from our moms. What is your favorite recipe that takes you back to your mom's kitchen, mm. things that you make together, one of those traditional things. What, tell, oh. tell me about that. It's probably chapatis. We have a lot of homemade breads in India and they all tend to be sort of flat because fuel is very expensive there. So ovens are pretty much non-existent or have been until recently. So a lot of the bread cooking happens on the tava. It's a flat skill, like a pancake pan almost, or a crepe pan. So chapatis are a simple bread. There's no leavening in it. It's whole wheat, really finely ground whole wheat flour, a little bit of oil or ghee and some water. And that's it. Really? Yeah, that's it. No leavening. No leavening whatsoever. And so you knead it for a wicked long time and that kneading kind of puts a little bit of air into it, but it also activates the gluten. And so you have that sort of elastic aspect to the bread. But my mom would make this dough fresh every other day One day we'd have rice, one day we'd have chapatis. We'd go back and forth and we would split up the labor. So either she would roll the chapatis and I would cook them or I would roll them and she would cook them. And so I just remember her looking over and and me rolling them and not being able to get them into a circle. And she'd be like, what's that, Australia? And I was like, yes, I know, it's terrible. (laughs) And she's like, it's okay. You know, you just keep, you have to keep practicing. And even to this day, you know, she'll, she'll make dal, she'll make lentils. And I'll go, I have made lentils the exact same way that you told me to, and it doesn't taste the way that you make it. Isn't that the truth? Yes. And I'll say, what is that? And she said, she says, Aru, if you had made this recipe every week for 60 years, then you would make it like this as well. And that I think is the thing about cooking that keeps me going is that these days we're so used to being able to do something instantly, order food instantly. You want a book, order it on Amazon instantly. You know, they're even whatever, coming up with drones so they can drop the book on your face, like right then, you know? So, (laughs) so, but the thing about cooking is it forces you to slow down. It forces you to practice because there's something about cooking that is untouchable and unexplainable that only comes from doing it over and over and over again until you and that dish kind of have a relationship and are having a conversation with each other. You know, because every time you cook it, your onion's going to be a little bit different. Your heat's going to be a bit different. And all of those things will teach you about another aspect of that dish. Yeah. A lot of times I'll say to people, they're like, your recipes are pretty well written, but mine didn't turn out like yours because I've made it 452 thousand times Mm -hmm. and it's a touch and a feel and my mother would try to tell me that when she'd make biscuits yeah you know our version of say it again chapatis chapatis Chapatis. our version of that probably similar except had buttermilk and Mm -hmm. you know some sort of a fat in there but she would just say the same thing I would go to roll them out and they wouldn't roll out right and 
she would just say, it's a touch. You will know when it's ready to cut it because it's the way it feels. It's the way the flower feels, the dough feels, the way it responds. You'll know. And now I find myself saying those same words. And it, it is, but it is very therapeutic. And especially right now, because we're in the middle of the pandemic right now. People are cooking like they haven't in years. Yeah. Semi-forced to. Yeah. Um, but it's been wonderful to watch so many friends get in the kitchen and try things. Yeah. And especially to try things that I think have always been on people's bucket lists. Right. How many people do you know that are making sourdough starters? Like I'm about to, you know, even though I'm not really supposed to eat that much bread, I'm like, I have to do it. And then I'm going to try to make one out of cassava flour to see if that'll work because, you know, the Cubans make bread out of cassava. So there's got to be a way to do it. That's right. The gift of this time, and you have to find a gift in it or else you're just going to get depressed. The gift in this time is the total and utter freedom to do that thing that you always said, if I just had the time, I would be working on this. And so that's what I've been trying to tell myself is, what are those things? One of them that keeps coming up in my head, and you're going to laugh so hard, is macrame. <laughs> Or macrame, yeah, whatever. As, as the British say, macrame. I'm like, what? Is that the same thing? Macrame? It what sounds like that? a martial art when you say it that way, macrame. We'll have more with Artie Sequera after the break. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to Homemade. We're talking with Artie Sequera, who's teaching us how to put a little bit more spice in our menu. Listen, on trying new things at home, what other Indian dishes should home cooks try to add to their weeknight repertoire? So I've just started doing a cooking show on Instagram. Oh, fun. Yeah, I'm calling it Community Table because the idea is, I mean, I love community tables at restaurants, but you never know who you're going to talk to. But the idea is to take those ingredients in your pantry and to cook outside of your immediate community and join sort of the larger community that's also doing the same thing as you. So right. I took a couple of cans of tomato sauce and I made chicken tikka masala. My favorite. Tell me quickly. How do I, <laughs> I don't want to make that at home. So all you, the, the big things that you need are a knob of ginger and a couple of bulbs of garlic, because a lot of the flavor here comes from a ginger garlic paste and you just need a microplane and you just turn that into a paste or put it in your food processor and make it into a paste. And then you need a few spices. You need paprika, which most people have. And garam masala is one I think everybody, that's an Indian spice. I think everybody can get behind because it's full of cinnamon and cloves and cardamom. Cardamom, yeah. Yeah, it's just a really warm sort of Christmassy spice that adds that warmth to Indian cooking. That thing that you can't put your finger on is usually garam masala. So it's super easy. That's something that I make all the time. 
And what are the Indian spices, the really the basic ones that we should try to keep in our spice collection? What are things that we could really ramp up and elevate our food if we use those spices? So in my cookbook, if you look in the front, I call it the sacred seven. There are seven spices that you should just keep on hand. A lot of them you probably already have. So paprika, is one of the chief ones. We call it red chili powder in Indian recipe writing. It's a little bit different. Our red chili powder is not like American chili powder. It's just these red chilies that are mostly colorful and a little bit spicy. So I mix paprika and cayenne to get it just to a heat level that I like. The other one is turmeric, which now most people have started adding to their cooking. And listen, you know, people always say to me, how do I add more turmeric to my diet? And I'm like, listen, if you want the same benefits that Indians are experiencing from eating turmeric, you got to eat a teaspoon a day. On average, that's how much an Indian is eating because it's in every meal, right? A quarter teaspoon here, a quarter teaspoon there. So add it to your eggs in the morning. I don't know if you can add it to your bowl of Cheerios, Marty, that you had for breakfast this morning. (laughs) No, but I know I had a beautiful ginger and turmeric drink at Starbucks that was quite good. And I've gotten a little bit addicted to that, but I'm trying to make it at home with almond milk and turmeric and uh, ground ginger. Really good. It is really good. And the only thing I'll tell you to do with your almond milk is add some sort of fat to it because turmeric is fat soluble. The curcumin, which is the anti-inflammation aspect that you want to access, is fat-soluble. And almond milk doesn't have a lot of fat. So add some coconut oil or something like that to it. Okay. So what other spices? Paprika, turmeric, cumin in the form of seeds. Okay. Because we use them whole and we also use them ground. And the flavor is just unbelievable if you grind it fresh or at least somewhat fresh. I'll grind a batch and keep it for a couple of weeks. So you don't have to grind it fresh every time. Same thing with coriander. If you're someone that makes a lot of Tex-Mex or Southwestern, you probably have a fair amount of coriander in your, but don't buy it ground, people, please. You buy the seeds and grind them. Yes, because it is night and day. The flavor difference is night and day. So that's four. Garam masala, I said five. I like to have some of the whole aromatics. So I like having green cardamom pods around because I put it in my tea. I put it in my rice pudding. Ooh. Yeah, it's Yum. really good. Yeah. I love rice pudding. I'm a giant fan of rice pudding. And strawberries and cardamom are brilliant together. Oh, they really? Yes, blueberries and cardamom are amazing too. So it just makes any berry dish that you make taste more berry-ish if you put just a little bit of cardamom in it. I didn't know that. Okay. Yes. And then the last one, I would have whole black peppercorns. Okay. Because, and most people have them in their pepper mill, we use pepper not as a seasoning, but as a spice. So if you coarsely grind some peppercorns and you sizzle them in some oil with some whole cumin seeds, then you add some onions to that, maybe a little garlic. That is the beginning of an incredible dish. You can put my least favorite vegetable, okra, in there and it would be delicious. My favorite (laughs) vegetable. I love okra. I know. You're going to have to make it for me because my mom has tried, 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 and I just can't get down with it. Well, I will just say this. If somebody's going to boil it or stew it, I'm not interested. But if you're going to fry it, that's a completely different story. I'm going to try it your way, though. I'm going to add seasonings to my oil before I cook my okra. Yes. And let me know how it goes. I will do. All right. (laughs) Speaking of children, you have two girls. Yes. Aliyah, 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 yeah. and Moses. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I watch you on Instagram and Facebook yeah. and all of that. You're such an engaged mom. Oh, gosh. Like many of our listeners, I'm sure you struggle with balancing work, travel, family, and cooking. So what are your, some of your weeknight family meals? Because we have a lot more time on the weekends, most of yeah. us. Weeknights are our big challenges. What do those things look like at your home? Well, you know, we lived in LA until a couple of months ago. So tacos were a big part of our life. These girls are very particular about what kind of tortilla the taco is made of. <laughs> you know? Really? So, yeah. So well, they I, grew up cooking, right? And watching you cook. Yeah. I mean, I think Monday nights often I would make mushroom tacos because it was vegetarian and I wanted to do one night a week that was vegetarian. My mama did that too. Yeah, did she? That's She was before her time. Well, you know, back then it was a budgetary thing. Yes, yeah, I love it. So usually it's some form of taco and it's a great way to use up whatever is left in your fridge because a little bit of bell pepper, a little bit of sausage, a, you know, a whole mess of mushrooms, there you go. That's your taco filling. I never would have thought about mushroom tacos. That's amazing. Yeah, it's really good, especially if you, and then I love chestnuts and you can buy chestnuts in a bag, you know, and so I'll chop up the chestnuts and cook them in a little bit of butter and then add that to the mushrooms and it makes them meatier, a little sweet. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really delicious. And then the other thing that I've just been making now is we've been eating a lot more rice. Oh, I think all of us yeah. have. Yeah. And so I had leftover just plain rice the other day and I made an Indian fried rice with that. And I browned some peanuts and I put that on top and some scallion. And I just went in the freezer and got whatever vegetables were in there. So we had peas, we had some bell peppers, some carrots, and I just mixed it all together. Oh, I had some pineapple because I love pineapple fried rice. And I thought if I put something sweet in here, they'll think this is delicious. Well, quite frankly, I never thought about putting pineapple in my fried rice. And I'd also Oof. never thought about making mushroom tacos. So you even need <laughs> some new ideas. Yeah. I mean, that's the gift of this. I mean, for me, the fact that I'm, we're staying with my in-laws and my mother-in-law loves to cook and she always has a ton of things in her pantry but they're not always the things that I would have. And so that's the cool thing. And I remember even some of the recipes in my cookbook to this day are from staying with my mother-in-law and going through her pantry and making something for dinner. Oh, wow. And it turning out awesome. So with the Indian fried rice, how would we season that? So you start off with some garlic and some cumin seeds. And if you have them, some black mustard seeds, that's one of my favorites. They're not spicy, they're just nutty. And I happen to have some curry leaves in the fridge. So I put those in, they sort of have this sort of lemony, cardamomy sort of flavor. So you start with that, and then I put my vegetables in, added a little bit of turmeric and a little bit of paprika, cooked them until they were almost tender, and then you add leftover rice. And you just sort of saute that whole thing together, finish it with some lemon, some cilantro, some peanuts, whatever you have on hand. And that's your Indian fried rice. I'm making that. Yeah. I'm making all these things. <laughs> I've never had that. I've never even thought about it. I'm making that. Okay, good. You know, it's hard for me. I live way out in the country and I'm a, a lot of our listeners may be challenged. Is there a place that you can recommend, like if you are in a spice desert? Yeah. <laughs> Is there a place I can go to find these things online where they'll ship them to me? Yes. Yes. I love places like Penzi's. The Spice House is also great. The thing I love about Spice House is you can buy in small amounts. So you can buy two ounces or four ounces or a whole big bag, depending on what you want. And when the box arrives on your doorstep, 
the postman is going to be like, what's in here? Because it's so aromatic. Really? It's amazing. Yeah. So the Spice House is a good one. And then the last one I would say is, oh, there's a place in Seattle called World Spice Merchants. And I went to their store when I was in Seattle once, and they also will ship to you. And the same thing, they will do it by amounts. So that's also a really good resource. But yeah, the days of, I wouldn't even buy stuff at the supermarket anymore. I would buy my spices from these people online because they're so fresh. You're getting your money's worth. Listen, there's a recipe that I made on Food Network Star that uses a lot of the ingredients that you've just been talking about. Believe this or not. Like it uh-huh. uses um, fennel seed. It uses co- coriander seed, mustard seeds, and celery seed. Wait, was it a pickle? Yeah, a pickled shrimp. <laughs> a pickled yeah. shrimp. Yeah. That sounds yummy. It is really good. So I'm going to share that recipe with you because you have all the ingredients yeah. for it. I want to make that. It's really good. What do you serve it on? Oh, you don't. You just, you don't serve it on top of anything. It's just um, uh, that all those flavors permeate the shrimp. Mm-hmm. I actually cook my shrimp first uh-huh. on a sheet pan in the oven, a little bit of olive oil, salt and pepper and cook them just to, you know, just done and then transfer them to all those spices while they're still hot oh, right out of the oven. Yeah. And then they sit in the pickling liquid and they suck up all that yummy flavor. But um, I didn't ever really think about it before. I always thought of it as a really traditional Southern thing, but it's got some Indian flair to it. I love that. And I would put that on maybe like tadka. Tadka. Tadka, and I think your listeners will love this technique. So it's an Indian cooking technique where you warm up some oil. Okay. You put your whole spices in there. So you could do your fennel seed, your coriander seed, your celery seed. Let them sizzle and kind of release their flavor. And then you take that whole oil and you pour it over your poached shrimp or you pour it over some sweet potatoes. You pour it over some rice or just a bowl of yogurt. Now, that's the Indian version of it, but think about a Western version of it. Think about putting a couple sprigs of thyme and some whole black peppercorns and some garlic and sort of swirling that around and pouring it over some beef or some chicken or some pork, you know, any of those sorts of things. It's a very quick way to take something, even store-bought some rotisserie chicken and adding your flavor to it. It's called tadka, T-A-D-K-A. Now, what kind of oil should we use for that? I would use something neutral. Like canola if we had it? Yeah. Yeah, canola, avocado, whatever is sort of neutral. And then if you wanted to enrich it, then you could do coconut oil or you could even do butter. Or, I mean, the king of all fats, you could do key. Well, listen, I'm going to come and visit you and I want you to make me a chicken tikka masala and show me how to really make the naan. I want you to teach me some of these recipes (laughs) and then I want you to come back and visit me again. Yes, I would love that. And we'll spend a little bit more time together and I'll show you a couple of my little Southern tricks and I'll make you some okra. Yes. Okay. I'm ready for that for sure. The okra that my mama would make was so good, we would fight over it. I mean, fight over it. Like wow. there's only a scrap left in the bowl, you know, fight over it. <laughs> okay, I want to taste that okra. It's good. <laughs> we soak it in buttermilk first and then oh. toss it in a little bit of seasoned uh, cornmeal and flour, like a little bit of cornmeal, a little bit of flour, salt, pepper, a little bit of cayenne, and then toss all that together and then kind of make sure it's not too heavily coated mm-hmm. and then put it in the in the oil and fry it up. And boy, is it good. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. But I think also it was my mama's cast iron skillet that did, you know, some of yes. the... Yes. 
Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I think I've learned over the past couple of years, I'm really interested in Ayurvedic cooking. Ayurveda is the Indian healing science. And so that's where we're getting things like eating ghee and eating turmeric. And I don't know if ashwagandha has come near you yet, but you know, all these things that... <laughs> All these things are coming from Indian healing, right? From Indian right. medicine. So one of the aspects of Indian medicine is that the actual preparation of your food is the medicine. So whereas we've gotten to this place where we're trying to make a meal in 20 minutes sometimes, and then we're like, I don't understand why I'm so stressed and why I'm not feeling good. It's like, well, because every aspect of your day is stress-induced, including your cooking. So if we can turn on some music if you drink wine, pour yourself a glass of wine. Or for me, I drink day beers. That's what I call those little cans of seltzer, the day beers. Just drink something that makes you feel good. And then when you're chopping your onion, chop that onion, honey. Like just let that be the medicine for your body and let it be just what you were saying, therapeutic and meditative and let your breathing slow down. Let your heart rate slow down. These are all things that are meant to help you relax at the end of the day. I've been doing a lot of that. Put on the music, pour a little something, and then cook. And I think it is, I have time to do it for the first time in forever. And I've done a little, a couple of little Facebook live things where I've cooked and it was fun to interact with everybody and yeah. have some community with me since I'm here by myself. Right. This has been a great joy for me to get to spend some time with you. Oh. And um, I hope we'll be seeing a lot more of you. Me too. Thank you for being on with us on the homemade podcast here at allrecipes.com. You're one of our favorites already. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you guys too. Thank you so much. That was the Spice Queen herself, Artie Sequera, a.k.a. Artie Party. You can find her online at artiesequera.com. Subscribe to the podcast right now. It's free and you won't miss a single episode. And don't forget, you can find thousands of recipes, meal ideas, and cooking how-tos from the world's largest community of cooks at allrecipes.com. This podcast was recorded in Birmingham, edited in Atlanta, and can be found wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or telling your friends about the program. You can find us online at allrecipes.com as well as on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Homemade is produced by All Recipes with executive editor Jason Burnett. Thank you to our Pod People production team, Rachel King, Eliza Lambert, Tanya Ott, and Maya Croft. Thanks for listening. I'm Marty Duncan, and this is Homemade.